0: This program is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication, which is comprised of five schools, each offering a variety of majors and programs for students who want to pursue communication-related careers. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people, some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Tulu Ranipa, a White House correspondent for Bloomberg News. He served in that post under the last two years of the Obama administration and the Trump presidency. He's had previous reporting experience in Florida and has garnered numerous awards. You may also see him as a guest on Bloomberg TV, CNN, C-SPAN, PBS, CBS, and MSNBC. He also appears on National Public Radio. We talk about covering this particular White House and how a White House correspondent goes about doing his or her job in the chaos of the Trump White House. You've had an amazing career so far. Uh, Tell us a little bit about it. Just bring us up to date. Yeah.
1: So I graduated about 10 years ago. Stanford, Uh, right? I went to Stanford. uh, Can't believe it's been 10 years. From Florida to Stanford. I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Right. Went to Stanford for college, graduated, uh, and then went to Miami to cover— just general news for the Miami Herald. It was a really great opportunity at a time when the newspaper wasn't necessarily growing, but I was able to sort of get my foot in the door. And Great,
0: great paper to start with. A really, really <laughs> awesome
1: paper, um, really good journalism being done there. And uh, I started there covering just whatever news that the, the newsroom would throw at me. Um, lots of really interesting stories. And then I ended up covering real estate. It happened to be at the Back end of uh, of the real estate crisis down in Florida, and um, I had never even bought a house. I was still living in my first apartment, and they were like, "Oh, do you want to cover real estate?" And I was like, so a you, little. Had,
0: "You had to look at mortgages, right? Mor- this, this complex uh, series of sham
1: finances, right, right." And this was a very interesting roller coaster time in in Florida real estate. So uh, I got to meet a lot of really interesting characters and tell some interesting stories, both on the high end, you know, very expensive homes being sold, but also on the low end of you know people either having their homes foreclosed or dealing with very uh, shady uh, real estate operatives who would uh, really you know, leave them in really tough situations when it comes to their housing. Uh, so I got to tell a lot of really interesting stories, and I really valued that experience. And um, after doing that for a little while, uh, we actually had an opening in our Tallahassee Bureau, which uh, that's where I grew up, and some of my editors thought it would be interesting for me to go up there and maybe cover some state politics uh, at the state capitol. This was in 2012, uh, there was redistricting happening and also a big election happening. And I was reluctant to move back to Tallahassee because I had grown up there and had wanted Going to— Going home is—it's
0: <laughs> sort of a two-edged sword, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, I, you know, I talked to the person who had previously had that job, and they really— Encouraged me to do it, and uh, and I did it, and I just got the bug for political reporting while doing that, covering the state legislature, covering the governor's office, um, covering a little bit of national politics when we would have uh, – Mitt Romney and President Obama coming into Florida and doing rallies and their surrogates coming in and trying to rally votes during the 2012 uh, election. And I really just got the bug for political reporting then. And um, I never looked back. I covered a couple more years of the state legislature. And then I moved to Bloomberg. And was a, was a bit of a hybrid job. Bloomberg had an office in Tallahassee, Florida, which is an interesting place for Bloomberg to have a, really? a bureau. Yeah. Um, but I, I worked there for about a year and a half covering A little bit of state politics throughout the Southeast, a lot of breaking news. Uh, They would dispatch me to cover whatever breaking news was happening in some far-flung place where we didn't have a reporter. Uh, I covered the Ferguson situation where, um, you know, the day that after there were these riots in the streets, my editor said, you should go to to Ferguson. And I went straight from the office to the airport and uh, (laughs) without packing anything, thinking I was going to be there for a day or two and ended up spending about 10 days covering um, the aftermath uh, of the shooting and the beginning of the legal process there. And that was just sort of what what it was like covering, um, you know, Breaking news at Bloomberg from our Tallahassee Bureau. Uh, And then after that, I moved to Washington to cover more politics. And I thought I was going to be covering Congress and ended up sort of temporarily covering the White House in 2015. And uh, that temporary position ended up becoming a permanent position. (laughs) Uh, So I got to cover the last two years of the Obama administration, a little bit of the campaign. And now the first 15 months or so of the Trump administration, and it's been just a roller coaster of, uh, of, of news, uh, especially over the last two years, um, really trying to sort out sort of truth from, from, from fiction uh, in, in, in the world of politics has been really interesting. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun as well.
0: So for the listener out there who may not be as familiar with Bloomberg as they are with New York Times, or Washington Post, or some of the other uh, major news outlets, uh, Bloomberg is sort of a hybrid. It started out as a a total business publication at one time, but but now, how would you describe it?
1: Yeah, uh, Bloomberg is a global media uh, operation. Uh, We cover... Primarily business and finance, but a lot more. I mean, we have almost uh, 2,000 journalists and editors and uh, analysts across the world, uh, including uh, several um, bureaus here in the U.S. And we do cover a lot of um, a lot of finance, a lot of business. But just looking at our White House team, uh, it's clear that we also cover a lot of politics. And there's uh, there, there's a business angle in almost every industry in every issue every issue uh, here in, in the U.S. And, and, and globally. So we sort of try to pick at those business uh, issues, but also cover a lot of straight uh, general news. I mean, uh, the White House team at Bloomberg has six reporters, which is one of the larger teams uh, in uh, Washington, uh, in part because we're part of the permanent presidential press pool. And for those who don't really uh, uh, follow the nitty gritty of the, pre- the White House press corps, there's a pool of reporters, about 13 news outlets, uh, rotating that represent the broader press corps when um, the pre- you know when the full press corps can't be with the president for a news event. So Bloomberg is one of three wires along with the AP and Reuters, who is permanently part of that pool. The other uh, news outlets rotate in and out uh, sort of on a day-by-day basis, but Bloomberg is there uh, for every press event, for every motorcade movement, for every flight on Air Force One, every time the president does a press conference. Um, Bloomberg is one of the one of the news outlets that's always there. So uh, that sort of illustrates how we cover more than just uh, just finance. A lot of our coverage uh, includes politics includes uh, sports entertainment, general news uh, but we do have a business and financial focus that we try to uh, highlight in our coverage.
0: I know at least in New York uh, a few years ago there was a high priority at Bloomberg on being first. Uh, being right, <laughs> absolutely right, yeah. but being first. It, d- does that translate to Washington as well, or, or has that been mitigated with events over time?
1: No, that definitely is one of our top priorities. Uh, we track our our stories, our headlines really down to the second compared to our competitors. So uh, if if we break a story and we're the first to put it out, even if it's by a 10-second margin. That's something that our editors know about, and that's something that we have some yeah. kind of tracking service that that follows that. So we do want to be first. We want to break news uh, in part because our, our readers demand that of us, and they you know, they come to Bloomberg and they subscribe to our, our, our service because they know that we have some of the best reporters who can uh, report the news accurately, of course, but also very quickly and and give them the information that they need to make decisions that they're making a lot of times on the fly. So uh, we do want to always be first, and that's something that we, um, we we do in Washington as well. We try to break as many stories as possible. We try to make sure we can provide uh, very quick analysis and 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 back up context very quickly. Um, and that's sort of the news operation and the news environment that we're operating in, uh, where there is not necessarily a lot of time to. Uh, to put out stories that take hours and hours and hours, or days and days to do, uh, we do that as well. But uh, our bread and butter is really doing um, breaking news, putting out um, the, the the most important information very quickly, so our readers can can take that all in within the context and make decisions based on that.
0: So you get an announcement of some sort or a statement of of some some kind. Is it your uh, position to get that out sort of uh, unvarnished, just get out what was said? and then go back and start fact-checking whether it was accurate and and who prompted saying it and what the ramifications are. So it's sort of a two-step process, is it not?
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of the challenges in this news environment is, sure. is <laughs> to make sure we uh, provide the relevant context as quickly as possible. Um, we, especially with this administration, have to make sure we vet information before we put it out. There is sort of that inkling to want to just put the information out there or put the fact sheet out there as quickly as possible so our readers have it. Um, But we also try to make sure that we can vet the facts because a lot of times this administration goes for the big headlines and sometimes they over-torque the information that they're putting out there. Uh, One example is I think last Friday President Trump was giving an interview and we cover trade very closely and he uh, talked about how the U.S. may face a little pain from the trade war that we appear to be going into with China. But he said, you know, our markets may take a hit, but our markets are are already up 42%. And uh, I was going to, I was writing that story, trying to put it out within 10 minutes of the interview posting, very quick turnaround and my editor saw my first copy and said actually let's you know let's fact check that that statement the president saying the markets are up 42% let's actually look at how much the markets are up and that's something we can check relatively quickly so thankfully i had a second line of of, of an editor who uh, n- took that quote that i had and right after putting that quote added a line saying that actually the markets are only up about 20% since the president was inaugurated so that type of fact checking on the go is something that we've had to increase and something that uh, we try to include in our in our coverage. Uh, Usually we try to get it on the first go round. But if we don't, we are constantly updating stories and adding context and analysis after our first initial story. So a lot of times that context does come later. But uh, in the best case scenario, we catch it on the first uh, uh, on the first go round and we publish the story that has not only whatever their president said, but also the context or the, the fact check that that's important for readers to have as well.
0: I know Bloomberg uh, in the past, and I assume it still is, uh, as well as the Associated Press, uh, have pretty strict rules about using confidential sources in a story and quoting them as confidential, right. unnamed sources. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case with everybody, and and certainly we're now in an era – where we see multiple unnamed sources. It's not uh, unusual to see the Washington Post or New York Times with over 20 unnamed sources confirming a particular position. Is that still Bloomberg's position? And if so, do you find that as restrictive in what you do as a reporter?
1: I think that's one of the most important issues uh, in, in Washington reporting today. I mean, it, there's been this explosion of anonymous sourcing and uh, and, and, and leaking and, and <laughs> leaking, which is important. I mean, it's important for reporters to be able to grant some anonymity to people who are telling you sensitive information that could get them fired or get them. Um, you know, expelled from the meetings that they're in uh, that's important information for the public to know. So there's that balance that we try to strike. Bloomberg is very restrictive, m- much more so than other outlets. We are not allowed to quote, uh, in most cases, uh, sources that can't be named. So we have to paraphrase what what they tell us and say, you know, source familiar with the matter. We have to make sure we tell our editors who the sources are so that there's some accountability that it's not just, you know, someone we made up or some someone who doesn't know Know what Some they're talking about,
0: mythical high-ranking White House
1: source, right, yeah. right. Um, but that is a big challenge because for our readers, not being able to know who is behind whatever information we're putting out, um, a lot of times that rightfully makes them wonder, sort of how credible is this information? So it's important for us as reporters to make sure we're accurate and make sure uh, we vet our sources, make sure we have multiple sources. A lot of times our editors will not let us run a story that if it's just one uh, anonymous source, we have to have multiple sources. But it is a challenge, and especially in this current age of journalism, there's so much anonymous sourcing out there that uh, just to keep up, we kind of have to make sure that we're also putting out the important information, even if it's based on anonymous sourcing. My preference is definitely to have people on the record. And when the White House tries to hold background calls where they demand anonymity to brief a group of reporters, i generally tend to ask that the information be put on the record just as a matter of principle. They don't always agree to that, but I think it's important for us as reporters to push back against um, a lot of times the, the, the inkling of the White House and White House officials to ask for anonymity when they're telling you information that is not sensitive or information that they could easily put their names on, and sometimes information that they just spoke on t- television uh, you know, an hour ago and then they asked for anonymity to say the same information. So it's something that reporters have to guard against because uh, it does hurt the credibility of the industry when there's so much reliance on people protecting their own identity and not, uh, not speaking whatever they have to say under their name or under their
0: position. In, in my lifetime, I don't think that I've ever seen a time – uh, like now where we are seeing so many news outlets quoting other news outlets as sources of information and then either building on the story or just paraphrasing the story that somebody else uh, broke that, that used to be a no-no. Uh, but, but now it seems to be the norm. Uh, on some occasions, but at the same time, there is a, a highly competitive streak. Uh, talk about sort of that dichotomy.
1: Yeah, especially on the White House beat, um, we are fierce competitors with our, you know, our colleagues. But we spend a lot of time. I just talked about the, the pool situation. We spend a lot of time uh, traveling together with our competitors, covering the same stories. Uh, you know, a lot of times we see the very good work of our of our competitors and we either cite it or we use it to inform our own our own reporting these tend to be people that we know and we're familiar with their bylines we're familiar with them as, as people so we tend to be able to trust them and trust their reporting maybe more so than than someone who we don't know um, but that's that's sort of the name of the game these days. There's so much news that's put out there. There's so mu- so many different outlets that are covering different aspects of the story, and news operations in general have have gotten smaller. So there's a much more reliance on uh, on colleagues and, and competitors and. There's sort of that healthy competition, but we all realize that we're uh, all in support of the First Amendment, all trying to keep gov- the government accountable, all trying to get information out to the public that's going to help them in their daily lives. So, uh, as much as we compete for the the latest scoop and we try to make sure that we uh, beat our competitors in, in getting the news out there first, uh, we rely on our competitors as well to help us get information that we that we can't get. And you'll see this on social media a lot: uh, reporters from one outlet crediting other reporters for getting a really good scoop and doing all really, the time right and,
0: and and even sometimes on television on some of the cable shows yeah yeah know. it's
1: uh, and it's, it's 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 part of the job i mean we 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 compete daily but we realize that we need each other and we need the reporting that's done by other uh, other outlets because to you can build
0: on it, it, it often it, uh, exactly exactly use it. that as a foundation and, and then build yeah. help our listeners understand how the mechanics of journalism works in in this respect, because I, I think part of the uh, idea that you can that some people can sell the idea of fake news is because people don't know how news is actually done. Yeah, uh, let's take an example like, like this morning, where Paul Ryan announced that uh, he's not going to seek re-election, the Speaker of the House. Now that's a, a congressional story, but it obviously has. White House ramifications. If if you were back in Washington, how would you be? What would you be doing with that?
1: Well, I I was following that story as it developed over over the course of the morning. First, uh, as many news stories start to break uh, on social media, I saw a tweet from Axios, which was uh, actually the first outlet to definitively report this. I saw a tweet that said, "Oh, there's going to be some news breaking very soon." So I was following Axios, and then they tweeted out their story. Um, So. Uh, that's sort of a lot of times how we follow things is sort of keep keeping track of social media, keeping track of our competitors and what they report, and then really quickly trying to confirm it and add uh, additional context. So even on the White House beat, um, a lot of my colleagues back in Washington were trying to confirm this story, reaching out to people close to Paul Ryan, uh, sources who – a lot of times an anonymously can either confirm a story or deny it and tell us actually you know that's not true or yes, this is true. you can report it just don 't use my name uh, and that's really how we uh, matched the story at Bloomberg and then we added on additional context reaching out to the White House to find out what their reaction was, reaching out to uh, other allies to to find out what does this mean for the Republican party more broadly? Is this going to be the start of an avalanche of additional retirements is this the Republican Party sort of ceding the House of Representatives to the Democrats who appear to have a good shot at potentially taking over in November. Uh, What does this mean for a number of different things? What does it mean for how the Republican Party is going to address President Trump, who many see as a drag on the ticket? Is there going to be a change now that Paul Ryan is uh, is stepping aside? What does it mean for the House speakership race? Uh, Republicans are already sort of jockeying to replace Paul Ryan. Well, Well, he'd
0: be more unfettered. uh, uh, Potentially. Now, uh, like uh, Senator Flake and others that that, uh, have said they aren't running.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that we'll also watch. Will will Speaker Ryan sort of continue to enable the activity of the president or will he stand up to him in a more uh, robust way than he has in the past? Those are the types of things that – that 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 we try to do to add context when a breaking news story like this uh, comes comes out
0: we, now would all six of you do that or is it somebody who draws the short straw or <laughs> uh,
1: we we all would uh, would contribute in some ways usually um, we'll farm out the 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 duties of okay this person's going to reach out to you know this group this group and this person is going to reach out to this uh, Ryan ally Uh, this person is going to reach out to the White House Um, and then it's really a collaborative effort a lot of times we have to take just the initiative on our own it's not necessarily someone at the top sort of uh, giving marching orders some of that happens but also a lot of it is uh, you know we know we have we each have individual sources and we reach and out then to you them
0: try to combine those or, right or, or add on as, right. as you go yeah and as
1: you get information that's usable you just email them out to the entire list and whoever is working on a story can pick and choose from the information and in the, in the feed that you send they can feed that into the story and the story just sort of organically grows over time through uh through feeds from different reporters adding different pieces of the, of the puzzle and different pieces of context
0: We'll be back after this message. At the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University, students and faculty aren't just ready for change. They're hungry for it. The Scripps College was awarded $878,000 by the Ohio University Innovation Strategy Program for an immersive media initiative that will allow students to become skilled leaders in immersive media, especially virtual and augmented reality. The college's game research and immersive design lab will serve as the hub for the initiative and provide several million dollars worth of gear, processes, intellectual property, award-winning scholars, and partnerships for the project. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. You've been at the White House under two administrations now, and and I know talking to my reporter friends who have covered the White House, they, they claim that there was hardly a more buttoned-down White House than under President Obama. Leaks were rare, and and uh, things had an orderly um, measure to them. Uh, now, uh, from all outside observance and <laughs> from what I hear from re- reporters, uh, y- you live in chaos and, it, and things changing by the moment. It, yeah. it, it, that's had to be a major switch on how you approach your work.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been head spinning to shift from covering the Obama administration where um, there was less news in part because there were fewer leaks and because they had a much more uh, organized press shop where they would roll out uh, new policy and roll out new developments in a very organized way. Here, the president uh, often keeps his own advisors in the dark and sometimes he announces new policy on Twitter and the reporters find out about it at the same time as the you know, the White House press team finds out,
0: Syria out about it. Right. Syria, fire raids, <laughs> tariffs.
1: <laughs> right, uh, the transgender policy right. concerning the military. And um, that's been a really challenging part of the job is sort of figuring out how to cover this administration where you can't necessarily trust the people who are, uh, you know, their job is to, to liaison with the press and tell you what's on the president's mind. A lot of times they don't know what the pre- what's on the president's mind or they aren't willing to divulge that to the, to the press because it's, you know, it's so controversial and then the president goes ahead and, and puts it out anyways. A lot of times we report on what, uh, and sort of how the the press team is trying to keep the president from doing something or how his advisors are trying to restrain him from doing, you know, X or Y because it would be detrimental to his own interest. And then he does it anyways. So, um, that's been a major change in covering the two, these two administrations. Um, Another major change has been the sort of animosity, the open public animosity from this president towards the press. Uh, Every president sort of uh, can be unhappy about press coverage, but none that I've seen uh, in the past has been as open uh, about really trying to not only attack the reporting, but also undermine the overall credibility of of the press and saying uh, that the press is the fake news and that we're actually making up sources and um, we're we're putting out false information as this broad conspiracy against him. Um, Sort of navigating within that has been a very interesting challenge because, you know, we don't want to be part of the resistance necessarily. We don't necessarily see ourselves as the opposition party the way uh, President Trump's advisors do. Uh, but we do have a job to do in terms of you know keeping him accountable and making sure we are reporting the facts to the people and um, that 's been a challenge you know sort of not necessarily punching back when the president tries to attack the press directly but continuing to do our job and continuing to put out information that is uh, useful to, uh, to to our readers and to our viewers that can that can help them even though we 're being attacked constantly from uh, from the white House
0: that had to really uh be uh, an extreme measure of restraint when you were called the enemy of the people uh, you collectively certainly right. not you individually but but right. but uh, that had to make your head spin
1: yeah i mean i think the broader challenge is we know that this is a president that wants to uh undermine the press in order to discredit a lot of the factual and you know honest and very much accurate reporting that we're doing and make people think that, oh, those are just biased reporters, even when we report things that are true and factual. So that's been one of the biggest challenges. We can't necessarily punch back at the president by saying, no, we're not the enemy of the people. You are undermining the the free press and and you're horrible. We can't say any of that because we have a very neutral position in in this role. But it is important for us to give readers insight into how we do what we do and why we are accurate and why we are honest and why we don't have a vendetta for the president. Uh, but we just have a, an allegiance to the truth and to the facts and, and making sure that we are keeping anyone who's in power honest and making sure that the, the taxpayers are, uh, are are well regarded and, 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 uh, and uh, advocated for um, by the free press that the founders of this country um, Held in such high regard that they decided to, you know, to, to defend us in the uh, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So I think it's important more than ever for us to make sure that reporters or readers know what reporters are doing, how they're doing their jobs, why we're doing it, and um, countering some of the, the the negative propaganda from the administration by giving readers more of an insight into what we do and how we do it.
0: You were in the press briefing room often, uh, and uh, we sometimes see it streaming or on various networks, and uh, I think m- most of the people who watch it scratch their heads <laughs> and go, what the hell is going right. on here? Uh, and. Uh, sometimes people are going why don't those reporters fight back why don't they argue that's not true why do they why did they let her get by with uh what she what she's saying talk about the dynamics of that room and and what your role is uh in, in that room
1: yeah that's a, that's a, a really interesting question um the press briefing room is really where um public usually gets the the, the most insight into the interaction between the press and the White House press team. And really, our job is to try to get information in a way that the American people can digest it in a way that's helpful for them from the administration, hold them accountable in public, on the record, in front of the cameras, and help the administration to get their message out and sort of answer important questions that, uh, the public wants to, wants to know about. It's sort of devolved into, um, you know, a situation where we don't usually get a lot of information. We get a lot of obf- obfuscation and attacks from the podium. And, um, it is a, it is a valid question as to sort of how, um, you know, why there isn't more pushback. I think part of it is the nature of the, of the press briefing room and the way that they've, the way the White House has sort of, a, a you know, Chosen to address the press by, you know, keeping the pr- the press briefings very short, um, limiting the number of questions and the number of follow up questions, and the fact that, as, as we talked about earlier, we are all competitors. We do ha- come in there with different. Um, you know, different outlets and different goals for what question we want to ask. And a lot of times when you only have one question and your editors want you to ask about a specific issue, if the person before you asked a question that wasn't adequately answered, you kind of face a choice. Do I follow up and really press uh, the press secretary on this issue to make sure she answers the question? Or do I ask the question that, I, that my editors asked me to ask about that probably hasn't been addressed yet? And that's Been a challenge. I think we all would like to be able to um, follow up on our colleagues' questions more and really pin the administration down when they say things that either aren't true or are not fully, you know, fleshed out and that need to
0: be more, more, more fully explained. Um, to but, to put this real quick in context yeah. uh, press briefings uh, historically have been sometimes an hour a couple of hours yeah now now twenty minutes is a long one right right so so yeah. that that gives a context of how yeah. limited your time is
1: yes they are much shorter and they the the, the the answers are less much less fulsome the the press secretary bounces around the room much more often and I think that's A strategy that they've used in order to sort of divide and conquer. And um, I I would like to see us uh, follow up on each other's questions more. And one challenge is, uh, is in the past, we've kind of had sort of very, uh, I guess you could say, um, boundaries as to what types of answers we might get from the press secretary. But this administration usually goes far beyond those boundaries and sort of sometimes leaves the press shocked when they say things that are so far outside of what is expected that we don't necessarily have a quick response or a quick retort or have the facts in front of us to say, actually, this fact that you sort of pulled out of thin air is completely wrong.
0: I think everybody can identify that. They've had a conversation with a friend or a colleague who've said something that's so outrageous that your head sort of spins. And and, you – an hour later, you think I should have responded this right, way. Right, right,
1: yeah, and and because these press briefings are so short and because they move along so quickly, a lot of times we don't get to do that in 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 real time. But I think that's uh, that's part of our job is to sort of, you know, up our game and be ready to live fact check um, the press secretary in that room and really challenge them when they say something that's just completely inaccurate or not backed up by, by the facts and um, and follow up on our,
0: on our colleagues. That's something that I hope we do more of. A, a new concept, uh, relatively new, uh, has been the, the use of reporters uh, on live cable shows. Uh, I see you often on uh, Brian Williams' 11th Hour uh, on MSNBC. Uh, is uh, you among other reporters uh, from across the board? Uh, is that now considered part of your job to to do that kind of uh, outreach when asked?
1: Yeah, that is, that is, and uh, I've been asked much more often um, under this administration than under the previous administration. In part because there is this interest; uh, the American people are really interested in what this administration is is, is doing, and it sort of has this reality TV. Sh- style feel that everyone wants to know what's happened on the latest episode so different cable shows have added hours of programming there didn't there did not used to be a live eleven no. pm uh <laughs> no. hour on both msNBC and uh cNN and and fox news and in part that's because people are interested in knowing what's going on so um as a White House reporter who's there for a lot of the developments that are happening within the administration, I often gets, get asked to come on and sort of talk about what's happening and what's happened over the last day or sometimes even within the last hour if the president is tweeting. And I think that's, that's part of the job as well, to be able to go on television uh, and de- de- deliver news and analysis in a different medium than, than what I'm, I'm used to. Uh, but that's sort of the, the world we're living in where print media and broadcast media and online is sort of all meshed together at this point. I had this
0: reaction the other day I have to share with you, and I I shared it with another reporter friend of mine, he laughed. But it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and and my job here at WOUB, I monitor Twitter all the time for news and and make sure that uh, we're we're up to date on anything that's breaking. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there hadn't been a major news event (laughs) that Quiet. And... and, (laughs) I started getting anxious. I, mm-hmm. I I I thought, okay, can can I take a breath? Is this gonna be a day where we can all sort of breathe? Or my building up to a bomb at five thirty or, <laughs> the or the six storm. o'clock, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, that's me out here in Ohio. Right. When you're right there in the pressure cooker, you got to feel that all the time.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The pressure cooker—that's how it feels a lot, a lot. Uh, and there are times where you know, if it's been quiet for an hour, you, you sort what's of look on? around, <laughs> like, "What's going on? Like, do I need to make some calls <laughs> to figure out what's, when when the next shoe is going to drop? Um, yeah, this administration is just a torrent of news and the tweets come you know, fast and furious. And um, a lot of times we are spending a lot as reporters are spending a lot of time on social media waiting for the next news story to break and figuring out um, whether or not our colleagues are breaking news stories or whether or not the administration is tweeting out something new. Um, and keeping people interested in you and your publication. Right, right, right. right. When we're not writing stories, right. we're you know tweeting on social media or doing radio interviews or doing television, uh, there isn't a, a ton of time to sort of step away from the news. But when there is sort of a, a short, quiet period, a lot of times we try to use that time to think of what's a long-term story that we can work on, what are some calls that I can make towards something that's not necessarily a breaking news story or a day-to-day story or something that will be... Put out tomorrow, but let me think about what I can do over the next week, or let me follow up on this Freedom of Information Act request that I put out a a few weeks ago to see if there's been any progress on that. So, whenever we do have a brief respite, we try to use that for longer-term planning and, and, and story writing. But those are fewer and far far between these days because there's just so much that occupies the day and. You know, by the time you you look up, you know you're you're pretty late into your day, and you know there's have been multiple stories already, and there are still stories or, or, or events that are still planned for the rest of the day. So,
0: and then you get to do a live shot on TV, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> eleven that, or eleven fifteen. Yeah,
1: so that fills up our, our day pretty pretty quickly. But we do, you know, when we're not anxious about what we're missing during those sort of short. Breaks in the news, um, we do sort of relish in the idea that we do get to have a couple hours, uh, you know, when there's not some something that's going catching on fire, um,
0: and use that for planning or for for other issues. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're young and energetic, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate your work, and I really appreciate you talking with me.
1: Thank you. It's been great. Thank you.
0: Today we've been talking with Talu Oluranipa, White correspondent for Bloomberg News and we talked to him about covering the Trump administration. Spectrum is produced by WWB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at any of your favorite podcast outlets, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or on your NPR One app. You can also find Spectrum at the NPR podcast directory. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, you can please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu.